You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Preem, Jared Mack on the show on this Monday edition. The mailbag will be on Thursday because we've got baseball to talk about. Uh, Jared's got full coverage of it on DuckTerritory.com, but we did a podcast last week previewing the Nashville Regional. The Ducks were the two seed uh, after winning the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, I think a little a little surprise to everybody, Oregon went 3-0, emerged out of the Nashville Bracket as the champions goes to the super regionals now with uh, an opportunity to host. We'll get to that later. Um, but Jared, Oregon, you, you you watched all you covered all three of these games. Uh, they won five four on Friday afternoon against Xavier. They beat Vanderbilt eight to seven, and then Sunday evening after a long delay, eleven to two, just a dominating fashion of a victory over Xavier a second time to punch their ticket to the Supers for the first time in what, like 12 years or something like that? 11 years. First time since 2012. Uh, and then before that, it would be only the second time since 1954. So this is an impressive uh, three-game set in the Nashville Regional. Um, you know, on last week's podcast, we talked about how Oregon – you know, there were some lucky moments, and baseball always has lucky moments, but there were some lucky moments in their Pac-12 tournament victory, um, specifically against Cal in the in the late stages of that game where their shortstop makes an error and allows Oregon to sc- score the tying run, and then the go-ahead run was a sacrifice fly, just a batter later. And then, obviously, the Stanford relay, where Stanford, an extremely well-disciplined and well-coached team, probably converts that relay I don't know, eight out of ten times, and this time they airmail it and, and allow the score, or excuse me, the tying run and Colby Shade to come around uh, third and, and score on his triple. So you had those lucky moments in the Pac-12 tournament, and Oregon sure as heck took advantage of them and won the whole damn thing and, and moved into the postseason as a two seed. Um, there were no lucky moments in this Vanderbilt regional or this Nashville regional. I should I should clarify. Uh, this was just a, a pretty much an, an encapsulation of what this team has been all season long, which uh, is, is a fantastic offense uh, with some decent pitching. And that's exactly what happened in these three games. Um, offense came alive multiple times throughout the, throughout the three games. Uh, against Xavier in the first round, it was kind of died down, but they came up with crucial hits and, and big hits. Um, you know, veteran guys like Drew Callie and Tanner Smith led the way. Gavin Grant had his own moments as well, but – um, pitching continued from the Pac-12 tournament, this bullpen by committee type, um, where guys really weren't going to throw more than two innings. And even if they did that, it was going to be one and two thirds, maybe even maybe even two innings. But uh, head coach Mark Wazikowski and pitching coach Jake Angier kind of kept everybody to a minimum, try, you know, tried to keep pitch counts under 50, try to get them to be, to be able to go again either tomorrow or the next day, which is exactly what happened against Vanderbilt and then against Xavier again. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the game two matchup against Vanderbilt, you know, it's a hostile environment. It's not a whole lot of people that fit in Hawkins Field, but, um, you know, the Vanderbilt Whistler is there. People were, were not too happy about him and the message board and on, on the Twitterverse, but um, we knew he was going to be there. Uh, and, and Oregon just took it to him. 
Jacob Wallace with a bases clearing double. I think that was in like the fifth or the sixth inning, gives them an eight to four lead or eight to five lead. Um, even though Vanderbilt hit that two run home run in the ninth inning against Molaris, that game didn't really feel like it was that close for a long time. And Turner Spiljeric had probably the start of his career just a week removed from the previous start of his career in the Pac-12 championship game against Arizona. Um, these, this was just an, a, a moment. These three games were all a bunch of moments for players to step up in big-time opportunities. And basically all of them did. And the championship game encapsulated that even more with Riku Yoshida's three-run double, with Drew Cowley's three-run home run, a six-run a six uh, sixth inning just put them ahead for good and, and – you know, a sweep of a, of a Nashville regional is, is very impressive. You know, there are only a handful of teams to sweep this this postseason, um, and two of them weren't even, uh, you know, the number one seed in the regional, just like Oregon was. So um, it's going to be really impressive, and, you know, it's it's important that Oregon now gets to gets to host a PK Park for this super regional. It, I was going to say, is that confirmed? Is that, like, official now? Yeah. I, I, I reached out to – Somebody in the in the Oregon baseball world um, that if the Emeralds, the Eugene Emeralds, the minor league team that plays at PK yeah. Park, that you know they they have a, an upcoming weekend series at home. Yep. This upcoming weekend, and I said, is this going to impede or be an obstacle for Oregon in any way of hosting a super regional? Uh, my response was two letters, uh, N and O. So they're good, and that's because Oregon the University owns the field. This is the, the Emeralds play at Oregon's field. Oregon does not play at the Eugene Emeralds field. So I think that's going to be – I think you'll see an announcement from the Emeralds at some point this week that they're moving their series up to Washington and that Oregon will be playing at PK Park for the Super Regional. Yeah, so fans, uh, get your tickets ready. PK Park's going to be buzzing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be packed. Mm -hmm. Weather's going to be great this weekend. Um, I don't know if we know the dates of the of the – games yet june 9th thursday i june 9th is the start um yeah and it'll That's be friday. it'll be a three-game series so friday saturday sunday potentially so weekend plans at pk park um you talked about the pitching and yeah you watch the you watch the, the games against xavier especially the second one in the championship game sunday night and you said it on the podcast a couple times this year. I think last week you even said it. Like their strength of their of their of their pitching is their bullpen, and that is where that game was won. I felt like watching it. You know, they threw out Grinzel. You know, uh, he's not like a normal starter. He pitched four good innings. He had seven strikeouts. And Xavier, they just didn't have the depth, and they start they got tired. The pitchers got tired, and once they started, you know, making some mistakes, that's where. The errors happened, the overthrow from catcher to, to short uh, on, a, on a steal attempt by Oregon that got into the outfield, which scored, I think, two runs. Uh, then they hit like a bomb out to, to the outfield for a double. Um, the depth of, of Oregon's bullpen's showing up. And do you feel like that will be, again, a strength for them on Saturday and, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Oral Roberts? Or are we starting to run into the, the, the caliber of opponent where – they're gonna need they're gonna need these you know these guys that they throw out as starters to go deep into the into the heart of the lineup. Well, I'll we'll get into Oral Roberts in a bit, but you know a lot of people have an issue with how the the regionals are what their um, I guess their schedule system is because no college baseball team has the depth to 
overcome the, the like the consecutive games. But one of the perks of winning your first two games is you do not have to play a doubleheader on Sunday. And Xavier had to play a doubleheader on Sunday. And not only did they have to play a doubleheader, they had to play against Vanderbilt, who was going, who was one of the few teams in the country coming into the, the NCAA regionals that probably have the depth to withstand a three-game set in three days. Um, they've got great starting pitching and they got a great bullpen. Uh, so Xavier used up again their their two starters for the first two games against Oregon and Eastern Illinois and, and Alizis and uh, Bo Sacker used their third starter against Vanderbilt yesterday uh, before the Oregon game. So um, Xavier just ran out of gas, like you said, Matt, uh, because their their team had ran out of gas. Um, not only did they play a nine inning game before, but they also had a four hour delay, a lightning delay. In between um, the, uh, the the top of the ninth inning was their yeah, was delay, brutal. so that was yeah it was it was tough timing for them. Then they had to wait. Uh, I think it was a fifty five minute grace period before playing Oregon. So you kind of saw them tail off in terms of their like in fatigue and energy towards the end of the game, and especially when Oregon and Riku Nishida hit that three run double. That was kind of the nail, the final nail in the coffin. But um, to go back to to Oregon, you know their bullpen has been during the regular season was was pretty good. There were moments of clarity. There were moments of opportunity that was seized by young freshmen or, or guys who moved from the starting rotation back to the bullpen and yada, yada. But their bullpen in the Pac-12 tournament and obviously this Nashville regional has been their only real means of pitching. Uh, Jay Stoffel has been been out for a while now. Um, you know, Isaac Aon obviously hasn't pitched all season long. Uh, Oregon has really gone away from using Leo Ullman, Jackson Pace, and Matthew Grabman. They're three true freshman starting pitchers. You know, they're running a bullpen of six six to eight guys uh, basically every two days. And it's good. It's like four guys pitch one day, four guys pitch the next day. And today was this, was the first half of the four guys. So Grinsell throws four innings, a career high, strikes out seven, a career high. Look, he's a true freshman, so he's going to struggle with command at points. I think he had two or three walks, and you know his pitch count hit 86, 88 in four innings, which isn't the best. But he's got great extension. He's got great stuff. He kept the ball low in the zone. He kept his off-speed low in the zone, which is incredibly important for him. As curveball was working, at, at point Xavier, just the mix and match and the pitch calling, um, the, uh, the Grayson's ability to throw his off-speed for a strike, too. Uh, really disrupted the Xavier hitters. Um, you know, they were late on fastballs. They were really early on curveballs. They they weren't looking for one pitch, and then they would get another pitch. Um, it was just really great pitch calling and pitch, pitch sequencing by pitching coach Jake Angier. Uh, and Grayson just executed it. And then Ian Umlott comes in, guy who is seldomly used during the regular season, does his job. Logan Mercado comes in after starting on Friday, gets the final 12 out to the game. Um, just a really good pitching performance. And I said on the podcast last week that, you know, if Oregon's pitching staff keeps the opponents between like a two to six range of runs allowed, that Oregon's offense would be able to come through and probably score more than six runs and put them ahead or keep them in the game. It's just what the pitching staff is going to do. And that's what it has been all season. It's just, there's no, there's no Jay Stoffel. And when Stoffel was in the rotation and things were going good, I think people forget, but this was a very good ball club. This was a team that won 16 out of 20 at one point. This was a team that was ranked near the top 10 at one point, um, easily within the top 15. Um, this was a very good ball club when just Jay Stoffel was on the mound. And now they're kind of replicating those stats, but through multiple personnel. 
and the offense is continuing to click. You're seeing guys like Drew Cowley step up. Sabine Ceballos hit an absolutely monstrous home run last yeah. night in the championship in the final game. Uh, th- that's what this team has done all season. They have multiple guys who could carry the whole offense on their back. And now that the pitching is coming through, this is this is a dangerous team, just like it was earlier in the season. What's the status with the? Do we know of anything with Colby Shade against Vanderbilt Saturday night? He took a. A pitch that like hit the bone in his wrist and somehow didn't get awarded a base, and then two pitches later took one off the like elbow guard that he mm-hmm. has, which got him on the base. But then he 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 hits number two in the lineup, um, center fielder. He did not play in the field. He did not bat against Xavier Sunday. Um, Bryce Botcher got the start there in Betcher. his place. He did. Betcher, yeah, he did get onto the field as a pinch runner, but it was clear he had like an air cast or, or some kind of sleeve on his wrist. Is that cause for concern? Do we know anything there? I do not know anything. Um, I didn't reach out to people yesterday. I should probably reach out to people today um, just because the game ended so late and they were celebrating. But uh, yeah, no, he, he got hit in the wrist. Um if everybody wants to go down and feel their wrist right now, there's not a lot of padding, aka not a lot of fat. There's basically bone and whatever muscle you got right there. So Shay took a fastball to the wrist. It probably really hurt. Uh, I think the fact that he came into the game as a pinch runner and as a, uh, uh, a defensive sub in center field was encouraging. Uh, does it mean he's fully healthy? I don't know. But he's got a couple of days to rest up. And we didn't see him swing. We probably weren't going to sw- see him swing if his spot in the lineup came up. I'd imagine that he would just bunt it. Um, you know, wrist injuries are difficult to deal with, especially on a lead wrist for a right hand hitted or right hand hitter. But I think it, I don't think it's too much cause for concern. You see Bryce Betcher; he makes every play in the outfield. He gets on base four times. He draws three walks and a hit by pitch. I'm not saying that Bryce Betcher is, can can replicate what Colby Shade does does at the plate, but. I think it's fine. I, I really wouldn't be too concerned about Colby Shade's availability. Um, I'm sure we'll get to talk to head coach Mark Wasikowski at some point this week. That'll be one of the pressing questions I have for him. So we'll figure that out um, probably pretty soon. Before we go to break and we kind of wrap up the Vanderbilt side of things, the Vanderbilt regional side of things, Nashville regional, whatever we want to call it, just what were your overarching takeaways? Because I asked you, like, did you think Oregon was going to win? And you you weren't sold that Oregon was going to be able to get through all these games victorious. Um, you, I think you said, like, they have the, the ability to do it, but the team that they're playing, it was, it was a tough region. They did it. Mm-hmm. So I guess just looking back at the, at the three games that they played, just what does this win mean for this program? What does this take away? And then we'll, we'll take a break and go to the Oral Roberts. Uh, for the program, it's ginormous. Um, look, Oregon has been a good baseball program the last couple of years. Uh, this is three straight regionals they've been to. This is the first time they've gone to a super regional under head coach Mark Wozkowski. Um, you know, 2020, it was the pandemic shortened season. They only played 15 games, so that one doesn't really count. But, you know, they were the two seed in the Pac-12 in 2022. They were the three or four seed in the Pac-12 in 2021. They hosted a regional. They lost to LSU. Um, last season, they go to Louisville. They put up a heck of a fight, but they fall short again. Um, for Oregon to finally get over that hump and kind of showcase themselves, you know, by the end of the day today on Monday, 
they could be the only Pac-12 in a team in a super regional. And you know, Stanford still has an elimination game against Texas A&M later today. Um, I don't think a lot of people had that on their bingo card. And this is a better Pac-12 than it has been in years past. Usually there's three or four teams that are head and shoulders above the rest. This year there are probably five to six. Um, even though Oregon really faltered towards the end of the season, they were certainly among the group for the longest period of time. Um, it's huge for the program. Uh, and it also showcases that, you know, Oregon's set up for the future as well. Um, they talked about that on the broadcast a lot. I've talked about that on this podcast before. You know, they signed a top five class in the country. This is just more national publicity. They get to showcase how they develop talent, how true freshmen have come in and earned playing time and pitched right away or hit right away. Um, how their true freshmen last year have developed into sophomores and juniors and seniors and years past that. Overall, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for this team. They certainly went through a lot of down, down stretches, especially against Washington and USC, where uh, they were completely outmatched on the field and it didn't really look like they had that same fight in them that they had before. Um, this is now a nine-game winning streak to end the season, similar to college basketball, you know, sometimes the hottest team in the tournament. Uh, does the best. And in this Nashville regional, the, every team was a conference champion. They all won their conference tournaments. They were all basically like the hottest teams in the country or some of them. And Oregon reigned victorious. Um, I thought it was a really impressive and gutsy effort put together by the staff, by the by the players themselves. Um, and now it moves on to, to Oral Roberts. And, you know, Oregon's going to have an opportunity to go to the College World Series, go to Omaha, Again, for the first time since 1954. Um, that's pretty darn impressive. And against Oral Roberts, we'll get to them in a second. But uh, I guess the, the main takeaway from the from the National Regional was I was just impressed with the team's fight. They had that, I guess, for lack of a better phrase that I can't think of at the moment. They had that dog in them. They had that dog yeah. in them the whole National Regional. That was what was on this team earlier in the season when they when they nearly swept Stanford when they took down everybody at home during that 16 out of 20 win streak, um, they had lost that the last three quarters of May and then regained a little bit of it in the Pac-12 tournament and slowly exponentially grew up with that with more dog in them towards the end of that tournament. And then it all came out this past weekend in Nashville. And I, I thought it was just a dominating performance overall. So they got the dog in them. We'll see how that translates into this upcoming weekend against Oral Roberts. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into Oral Roberts and how they got here, and they'll preview the matchup between the Ducks and the Golden Eagles. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, 
feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Um, Matt Prem, Jared Mack on, on the show today. And chaos has kind of hit this side of the bracket because Oregon was the two seed in the Nashville Regional. Um, Oral Roberts was the four seed, the lowest seed in the Stillwater Regional. Um, and I think they became like the eighth school in NCAA history to get through their regional as the number four seed to get to the Supers. And they also swept their way through Stillwater. Um, mm-hmm. They beat Oklahoma State six to four in the Friday matchup. And then in the winner's bracket, they beat Washington 15-12. to 12, uh, And then they beat Dallas Baptist in the championship, who was, I believe, the three seed in, in, two in seed. the regional. Two seed. And mm-hmm. they beat Dallas Baptist 6-5 to five in game six to get the sweep. Um, this is another team. Jared, you talked about Oregon being hot and sometimes in these tournaments it's not the best team it's the hottest team uh this is another one i think they've won 20 or 21 straight games in a row coming into the super regionals uh they won the summit league championship 12-0 uh and they won the semifinals or no then when that one 12-0 they won 12-4 excuse me um and then the semifinals they also won 15 to 2 um this is a hot team, but can pick up a lot of numbers. What do we know about Oral Roberts and their baseball program? I mean, it's one of the better teams in in the in the tournament. Um, I kind of felt that way going into the Stillwater Regional. This is this is very how should I say this is very typical of the NCAA baseball tournament um, to have a team that is this good in the Summit League. I mean, they're forty nine and eleven now. They're tw- they were twenty three and one in conference. It's a damn good baseball team. They just don't play the same type of competition, quote unquote, at least on paper, as a team like Washington, as a team like Oregon, or take your pick of whatever SEC team you'd like to. And so they're just not going to be as respected. It's like Campbell being the two seed in the Auburn regional and Auburn getting to host. Like Campbell was clearly the better baseball team, but Auburn gets to host because they're an SEC team and have a better RPI because they play better teams. And this ORU team, this Oral Roberts team, is is no joke. I mean, they've lost twice since April 1st. That's like, you know, seven weeks of baseball. And those two, those two losses were on like April 3rd and April 5th. So it's been a long time since they lost a baseball game. Yeah, their 21-game win streak. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, you went through the scores of the Stillwater Regional. You know they took down OK State six to five, six to four, then Washington fifteen to twelve, six to five against DBU. You know those were all pretty close games. I mean, that's kind of telling that the that the competition did, you know, intensify. And Washington, 
they don't have a pitching staff. So it's just going to be a slugfest anytime you face the Huskies this season. And for it to be 15 to 12, I would consider that to be pretty good. But this lineup for Oral Roberts um, is pretty terrifying. They're, they're a damn good hitting team as well. Jonah Cox leads the way. It's 4, 424, an 1100 OPS, 10 homers, 65 RBIs. And then Matt Hogan, who you know, I've seen on, on, on Twitter, um, when he hits a home run, they call it a hoagie. And I really like that. I mean, that's hilarious. <laughs> but you know, he's got 17 hoagies this year. Um, his That's OPS awesome. is also above 1100, 687 slug. Um, you know, he's got 47 walks to 62 strikeouts, which is a pretty good strikeout to walk ratio. You know, eight of their top nine hitters are their regular everyday guys. Um, they hit over 300. They all have an AP- OPS over 800 or 850. It looks like um, even their their worst hitter hitter, but statistically, Drew Stahl is 275 with an 889 OPS, 11 bombs. Like this team is going to hit. They got and power. Again, some of those, yeah, some of those numbers could be inflated because of the competition they play in the Summit League. I don't buy it. I, I watch them play basically every single game of the Stillwater Regional. Those guys know how to hit, and it, it's no surprise. Well, it it is surprising that they went three and zero. It's hard to go three and zero at all, whether you're one seed, whether you're a four seed, or whatever the case may be. So that was surprising, but to see them put up a fight and an effort like they did. You know, not surprising at all. Um, and then pitching wise, this is a good staff. Um, they got a lot of good guys in the bullpen as well. Uh, specifically, Cade Denton. He's been an absolute animal. He's got 31 games in the season, 54.2 innings pitched, uh, a 1.65 ERA and a .88 WHIP. Um, it's he's just been tremendous for them out of the back end of the bullpen. He closed the game last night against DBU. He looked basically unhittable. He's got a great four seam. Uh, they've got a ton of arm side run that it's just going to be really difficult against right-handed hitters, but um, it's going to be a stacked team and they're going to come into PK park and they're not going to be afraid. You know, they just went into Stillwater, which is a really hard place to play. Oklahoma state fans, uh, as we know from football are ravenous. Um, they're just like that for baseball. They get out, they tailgate, they sit there all day and they wait for their, their, their Cowboys to run onto the field. Um, and Oral Roberts had no problem with that. They shut that venue down real fast, um, and they took over and, and swept the the Stillwater Regional. So, I don't think that even though I think that it'll be a great crowd at PK Park this weekend, I don't think they'll be intimidated at the slightest. Um, you know, they're gunning for. I want to say this is their first Super Regional, or their it would be their first College World Series appearance in program history. I don't know off the top of my head, but um, they're gunning for that, just like Oregon is gunning for their first since '54. Um, I don't think they'll be intimidated. I think it'll be really, it'll be a really tough matchup for Oregon. But um, you know, key pieces again. If I was, if I were to preview it, it, it's just a pitching staff like it was going into the Nashville Regional. Feel really confident about what Oregon can do offensively, even though it'll be against good pitchers. Uh, it's just what can Oregon's pitching staff do to alleviate some of the offensive uh, threats that Oral Roberts has. Yeah, I'll just be curious to see a. You know, how does Oregon, how does Royal Roberts handle the pressure of a three-game series? Because you're two wins away from mm-hmm. getting to Omaha. And that just kind of creates, you know, every game is bigger and bigger. And just the pressures of that, you know, mounts. And these are two teams, they're, they're certainly confident, but they weren't supposed to project it on paper to be here. And so who's who's the team that's going to be able to withstand the pressure and, and you know the anxiety of being two wins away and who's the team that kind of cracks. Uh, we haven't really seen either team do it much this season. 
Um, and I'll, I, Oregon's like, look, I think the, the natural assumption here is, wow, Oregon should be favored. Cause like what you just said for some of these other smaller teams, not getting to host regionals because they're not in a power five conference. But I think people are going to look at this and go, Oh, oh Roberts, they're in the summit league. Oregon's in the pac 12. It's at home for Oregon. They, they should be the favors, but or the favored team. But it feels like talking to you, Jared, like, this is pretty. This could be a, a pretty even split game. You know, maybe 52-48 one one direction. Or am I reading this wrong? No, I think you're reading it right. Um, I think Oregon should be favorited just because, or the the favorite. Excuse me, my grammar. Um, they should be the the ones who are favorited. Uh, just because, yeah, it's at home. Uh, there, Oregon has played harder competition all season long, just on a, on a continuous basis. Or Roberts has a bunch of games against Power Five opponents where they've done well. But yeah, I don't, I wouldn't take them too much. Um, and I'm not saying that Oregon's going to go 0 and 2, 0 and 2 in barbecue and just you know their season's going to end just like that. But this is a good team. Or Roberts is a good team. I just went through all the reasons why they're a good team, and. Again, they're going to show up to PK Park whenever they get here, probably on you know Wednesday. Uh, start to practice, start to get used to the to the PK Park environment, start to take BP, realize that this is a very hitter friendly environment, and start swinging. Um, you know, it's been a long time since Oregon has played at home, and not that that's going to be a, a big issue because they practice here during the the, the off off days of the week um, before they go to Nashville, before they went to the Pac-12 Championship tournament. Um, it's going to be fine, but it's been a while since they've had a home crowd. And, you know, if you're Oral Roberts, all the pressure is on Oregon. It's the same thing as, you know, when it's a 14 or a 15 seed versus a two seed in the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, the pressure is not on them. They're playing loose. They're playing great. They're going to start hitting some threes, and then they're going to start forcing whoever it is as the two seed to start to play defense to say, hey, this isn't – we're not just going to roll over. Um but I think Oral Roberts has even more confidence than that. And Oregon needs to exhibit their confidence. They need to continue to have that dog in them for, again, lack of a better phrase. Um, because this is going to be a, it's going to be a hard-pressed series. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to score for both sides of the ball. Um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for, for big-time pitching um, and big-time moments. And this Oral Roberts team, um, I, I looked it up while – uh, just a little bit ago. They have made the College World Series once in their program history in 1978. So both teams are going to be you know, fighting for the same thing, to get back to that College World Series for the first time in a long time. And, you know, it's really – I'm, I'm very excited for this matchup. I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, I thought yeah. they would, there would be some type <laughs> of NCAA selection bid for either DBU or, or Oregon for the re regional host or the super regional host. But um, the fact that it's going to be – in our backyard, so to say, it's awesome. with this talented of an ORU team coming in. Um, it's going to be a lot of great baseball, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, Jared will have full coverage of it uh, on DuckTerritory.com. I highly encourage you guys to read his work. Very good stuff uh, on everything Oregon baseball. Um, we'll continue to do these podcasts. I hope, Jared, uh, next Monday – Eric is on the show or actually I'll, I won't be on vacation then. So I'm hosting the podcast and we're talking Omaha and we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about what's next for Oregon baseball. And because it's been a fun ride, Jared's covered it all. Uh, and he gets rewarded with a super regional in Eugene. Uh, and we'll see, Ooh. we'll see where it goes next, but 
go to PK Park. Try and find Jared there. Uh, we will certainly continue to talk Oregon Duck baseball here on the Ots and Audibles podcast. And until the next one, you've been listening to the Ots and Audibles podcast. Peace. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.